This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Ashlyn Ann Hanley, who graduated in June from Burn Knox Westerlo. She has put the life stories of nine Hilltown elders into a book she hoped kids at her school will read and learn from. Her book is called Then and Now, Growing Up a Hilltowner. What she learned, Hanley said, is, if there's members of your community that are older, just give them an opportunity and have a conversation with them. You never know what you'll learn. I know a lot of them are grateful to even have the conversation. Hanley urged, reach out. Tell us what what led to your writing this book, which is called Then and Now, Growing Up a Hilltowner. Well, I, for Girl Scouts, I was looking for something to do for my gold award project, which is a project, the highest project award that you can get through Girl Scouts. And I really had no idea what I wanted to do because it had to be impactful for our community and like long lasting. And it was difficult because I, I wasn't sure what our community needed. Like my sister did her project on the backpack program at my school and it implemented boxes. And so I talked to a bunch of people and history kept coming up as one of our things like documenting history. And uh, that's not some, I know there are, there are authors that have documented the Hilltown history, but I figured that getting people, not only that I know and I'm familiar with, but their friends as well, getting their oral histories and the changes that they seen in the hill towns over their lifetime was really important because there definitely have been a lot of changes as I found out through this process. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you ended up interviewing four women, five men, all in kind of the same age range, I'd say seven through seventies and maybe into early eighties. Yes, that was a requirement. My requirement was you have to live in the hill towns your whole life and be 70 or older. That was your that is that made it more limiting to people I could interview, but that was the criteria to be interviewed. And how did you find these people? Well, I worked it was difficult at first because I had no idea where to start, but we we're close with Reverend Bob. He's at the Burn Church. And I went and volunteered at Neat Dinner, which stands for Not Eating Alone Tonight, where a lot of elderly people in the community come and share a meal together. And he introduced me to a bunch of people that he knew lived in the hill towns and fit my criteria that I needed. So he was really helpful into finding the people because he knew a lot of them because they were members of his church. Well, and so if people don't know, uh, Pastor Bob is Reverend Robert Hoffman, who is the longtime, one of your subjects you interviewed said he's been there 40 years at the Reformed Church there. So that explains, because I was looking for common threads, and I thought religion is a common thread here. There was only one person that said, no, we don't go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Everyone else had these deep church commitments, but that that explains a lot of that. Yeah, so w- once you had found these people, how how did you approach them? And were there 
was there reluctance or were people eager and embraced the idea? Just kind of walk us through what the process was like. Well, I met with Reverend Bob. We had a short little meeting and he printed out a list of people's names and about where they lived, where he thought that they lived and their emails and phone numbers and everything. And first I sent out an email. This was beginning of 2020 or late 2019. It was a long time ago. And people were thrilled to hear that their stories could be put into a book they're very excited there was a few that were like no i don't think that's something i would do which is completely understandable and they were very excited but then unfortunately covid hit so i was i had no idea how to do these interviews so i was stuck for months and months probably nearly a year and then i got into contact with reverend bob again and through his church they were doing church over zoom like because they couldn't meet in person for mass. And then he gave me a list of people who were able to do Zoom and they're still willing to um, be interviewed by me. So I started doing them through Zoom because my initial plan was to meet with people, have like, you go to their house, maybe have lunch with them, sit down and have like a whole drawn out like process. But then COVID kind of ruined that a little bit. Yeah, COVID upended all of our lives, but how, what a difficult, because here elderly people, of course, had to be the most cautious. And so all the normal kinds of things you'd pick up on an interview, a lot of them mentioned one of their wishes for the Hilltowns was there would be more internet. So you had to deal probably with that as well, you know, just finding people that had connection enough to be able to have an interview, but you persevered. Yeah. That's why I had a lot more people on my list in the beginning, but it was like a year later, it was middle of COVID. I had to do it all over zoom. So that definitely took the number of people that I were able to interview down a lot, but I was still happy. I got to interview quite a few people. They were very. And I actually think as a reader of the book, I think you have just the right number because if you had too many more, you know, just it's nice to have a variety and you seem to have, I guess, just through serendipity have hit people that uh, they, uh, that's one of my questions for you. What, what did you find? um, Did you find common threads? Did you find things that that united these very separate people with their own stories, something that made them Hilltown as opposed to interviewing 70, 80-year-olds in Minneapolis. Yeah, I definitely found that by far the most common theme was their love of living up here in the community that we have up here because it's very unlike any other. We're very community-based up here. And a lot of them grew up either on or near farms up here and they were always they were working that's where they started their jobs like either working with their family working in their homes and up here now like the younger kids are working in like local retail stops and stuff yeah that was a common thread um and another thing that struck me too is almost a sense of longing many of them expressed um one said, you know, I used to be able to go down the street and know everybody on the street. 
and mm -hmm. another estimated, I used to know 80% of the people, now I don't know 40%. So there's sort of a sense of longing for when the community was even <laughs> more yeah. tight-knit than it is. Yeah. yeah. And another thing, too, I'd love to hear how you came up with your questions, because the thing that surprised me, I'm about that same age and have mm -hmm. acquaintances that same age. And every single one of these people, when you must have asked the question, do you have any regrets or what are your regrets? Mm -hmm. None of them have regrets. Yeah. They're all satisfied with their with life. Time. So that's just in itself, I think, an astounding, uh, you know, we hear all the time about, uh, you know, people feeling so negative and, and here, this random sample you have, no regrets at age 70, 80. So what, how did you come up with these questions? I, well, I was in contact with a family friend and she helped me make the questions because like I was I had no idea where to start because I didn't know like where specifically to hit like the right questions to get the history portion of it like mm -hmm. the just that they've seen and she gave me a list and I went through that list and uh, picked the ones that I thought would fit best with our community and fit best with the people because I personally knew a lot of the people that I was interviewing so I knew the like the interview questions so that the interviews weren't too long so so I picked the right amount and then I kind of altered them to what they needed to be to fit like the history aspect of it yeah and some of the things one of the questions must have been because the way the book reads you just have a narrative voice of the person answering the questions it doesn't have like question answer question answer which I think is a good choice because it makes it flow more easily but one of the questions must have been um something about uh, your food or your meal time what yeah what um did your mother cook growing up like what did you eat yeah and all, almost everyone across the board said they always ate together as a family but there were some really amusing <laughs> stories in there I think it was Ms. Quay who talked about she didn't like celery and they had this table with hollow <laughs> legs and she would put the food down the hollow leg and then if they cleared out the table to like yeah. wash the floor <laughs> Be, yeah, I mean, there are just some really um, just amusing little anecdotes that you wouldn't have, you know, you couldn't have okay. made that stuff up. Yeah, <laughs> that was great. So um, tell us about the process after you gathered all these interviews. What how did it become a book? What what did you do? So during the interview, I recorded it so that I at least either had a sound or video recording so that I knew everything that they said word for word and I wasn't paraphrasing because I, I didn't want to try and write down what they were saying as I said it because I didn't want to miss anything. And then I went through, listened to what they said. And I as I listened, I typed what I was hearing, like everything that they said. And then I, I really wasn't sure how to format the book because it's just me asking and them answering questions it's not like a whole history like a when you read a history book it's like the events that happened so I was like like you said not just question answer question answer but like 
their narrative of how they answered the questions themselves. So then I went through and put like each person in their own thing and then sectioned it off by questions. So that it was more of a narrative than just answer question throughout the entire book because that would be very repetitive I found (laughs) and then each chapter is simply the name of the person except the last chapter has a husband and wife and they must have done their call together because you did it cleverly with one in you know italics and the other in non-italics so you could tell who was talking together to make sure that neither of them forgot anything that happened because they were together for so long oh that's That's just sweet. That's so sweet. Well, um, since you have these recordings, is there, are you, you know, it's a written history, but you have an oral history as well. Is that going to be deposited anywhere, like the library or... I really want to do something. I've been talking to my mom with about doing something, but I'm just not sure. Like, do I put it on a CD? Like, I'm not sure what exactly I should do with them but I do I have that has been a thought but I just don't know how to make it happen quite yet we're trying to figure that out yeah I think that would be a tremendous resource for the community um, because to hear in their own voices as well as seeing their own words um, it's really rich experience so where did you come up with the cover it's a beautiful photograph it's um, a weathered shed with a red roof and it's set against what I assume is the shoulder of the escarpment is that right the Helderberg escarpment it is not unfortunate Uh. I so when publishing it, it happened very fast, and I they needed a picture for the cover like immediately, and I didn't have a picture on me. And that day, it was not. It was like thunderstorming and gross out, so I couldn't go out and take a picture. So this is a picture that they offered, and I figured it'd be nice because it does. It reminds us of the hill towns, and it is a beautiful fo- a photo. But unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity to put an actual photo. Fo- photo of it if I were I can I have the opportunity in the future if I want to to redo the cover which is a hope for me and do uh, like a full picture of like the where our school sits in the hill towns like the I'm not sure what the road name is but then you can look out and see like the school in the hills and Mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. because all your subjects went to, I guess it was Burn Knox then without the Westerlo yeah. on it. But, well, it's still a lovely photo. <laughs> and yeah, so um, when putting the book together, you said they. So you were working with who, who was it that who did the actually assembling of the book? Um, through Amazon, they have their own publishing website. So if you write a book, you can get published through Amazon. So then once the book is published, you can buy it on Amazon. So if someone wants to buy it, they can do what I did. They can go to Amazon yep. and type in your name or type in Then and Now, Growing Up a Hilltowner, and get yep. the book. So who yep. do you hope will read this book? What do you hope? Where will it go? Where should it I be read? want it to be read in school, my school, hopefully. So because there's a lot of kids moving up to the hilltowns that weren't here before. And I want them to know, like, the, like how it's changed like I would like that'd be something amazing like if it was read in a history class like in the elementary school like because this may be like grandparents or great-grandparents of some of the kids because our community is so tight-knit up here 
I hope I want it to be read. I'm donating them to the library, the Burn Library. We'll have a copy. So if anyone ever wants to go and read it, it is there and available, or you can purchase it on Amazon. So I've just I hope it's read in my school, Burnox Westerlo, which I just graduated from. I hope it is read there because this is where they live. I hope so too. Well, let's talk a little about you. And I'm going to start with the question that you asked of everyone and got some fascinating answers. Tell us about your name. It's such an unusual name, Ashlyn. Is there a yeah. story there? A very short one. My mom thought that I was going to be a boy. So she had the name Declan picked out. And then when I ended up being a girl, she was reading a baby, a, like a book of baby names. And she just saw the name Ashlyn. And she was like, I really love that because my mom, my dad and my grandmother wanted to name me R Reagan. And my mom's like, no, she's not Reagan. And then she named me Ashlyn when I was finally born. And you are Ashlyn. That fits, right? Well, yep. I also wanted to hear a little about your family because over the years, we've had your two brothers did Eagle Scout projects, and then you mentioned your sister Taryn, and they all have, everyone in your family has very distinctive names. Yeah. So if I run through each of these names, just tell me a little about your brother Liam. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. And he did uh, lending libraries for Knox, Byrne, and Westerlo for his project. But tell us a little about him. What, what's he doing out in the world now? He is finishing his master's degree at SUNY ESF. He is majoring, I believe, in wastewater management. He works for DEC currently on many different projects that they're doing. What He's interning for them. He has many places that want him. He's very intelligent. So he's an but, environmentalist. And I wonder yeah. if that was partly fostered by this wonderful environment you grew up in. I definitely, like, I am... Um, go attending SUNY Colbeskill in the fall for wildlife management and by far living up here is definitely the reason that I want to go and study wildlife like if I had grown up anywhere else I don't think I would be going down the career path that I am oh well, I want to hear more about that when we were just warming up for this podcast Ashlyn shared with me that she has ducks she was playing with the ducks before she started the podcast because just tell us a little about your interest in wildlife management how how that came about um my senior year of high school which was la like last year I just graduated Last month, um, I was able to do an internship with Kelly Martin in Middleburg. She's a wildlife rehabilitator. And so after school, I would go and help her with the animals and I would learn about different illnesses and uh, the correct diet that they need, the correct housing that they need, because we worked with a bunch of different animals from porcupines, um, lots of different birds like vultures, red tailed hogs to pigeons, to, like everything we worked with to turtles, everything. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. Like I knew before going into that um, internship, I wanted to do something with wildlife. And then that internship really solidified my love for like New York state wildlife. So I definitely want to be doing something along that route. And during my internship with her, I took the exam and I became a licensed wildlife rehabilitator in New York state as well. So that it was very, very exciting. That is exciting. So you're somebody that is certified and you can be called if there's like an animal that's hurt and found. Is that what that means? Yes. So there is um, my number is not online, but 
Kelly Martin is who I work on. I don't work under her. I work with her. The only thing I'm waiting on is an interview by a DEC officer. And that will solidify my um, legally being done. But I can work with the animals. Well, congratulations. (laughs) And is the goal, if it's possible, to get them back into the wild after they're rehabilitated? or? So wildlife rehabilitators, they take in sick, injured, and orphaned wildlife, and the goal is to get them um, back and healthy to be released into their natural habitat. And one of the most important things is to know where they are found so they can be released in the same place. Yes. So how do your parents feel about, are you going to be like taking wildlife into your home or how do you, how does that work? I- but because of college and stuff, if someone needs, I will definitely be there to help. I still help out Kelly now and then. I'll be helping her in August for a while. But I'm not independently doing it on my own yet. Like, I don't have my own facility. Right. But, yes. Okay, well, I got off on a much more interesting track. I wanted to walk through the other siblings. Yes, Next, we had in 2018, Karenin, is that how you say his name? Um, he built shelving for the Byrne Library, and one of those shelves might hold your book now. So <laughs> tell us what, what he's doing. He works for the Knox, the town of Knox, the highway department. He's doing that. He is in uh, school at Liberty University online for criminal justice. He's not really sure his career path yet, but he loves operating machines. So I think that's probably what he's going to end up doing. Wow. And then finally, we have Taryn. And she, as you mentioned, put together these birthday bags for needy kids and also collected books on poverty. So people at the school could read and learn about about that. And what is she doing? She just graduated Hudson Valley, as I did this spring. And she's going to Cortland in the fall to continue her education in early childhood. She wants to be an elementary school teacher. She currently works at a daycare in um, Colony. Yeah. So she wants to work with younger kids and she is going to do two or four more years at Cortland and then something from there. She wants her What a fascinating family. So how did Scouts become so central for each of you because it's really, really rare to have an Eagle Scout or a Gold Award and to have, you know, two Gold Awards and two Eagle Scouts in one family. What 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 happened there? How did that come about? Well, I think it was definitely community based. My friends were in girl like I joined Girl Scouts in kindergarten and I um, just graduated. Girl Scouts usually ends when you graduate high school. But I'm just finishing up my gold award so that I'll be all set. And um, I know my brother's friends, they were in Boy Scouts. All my sister's friends were in Girl Scouts. And then we um, saw the importance of it. Like, we all um, have a love for helping our community. And we were able to do that through our organizations. And getting those projects done was the most impactful thing that we could do for our community because that is the goal of those projects is to help out our community and be a long-lasting thing in the community. So I definitely think that um, being a part of the Scouts and realize, like 
knowing the importance of community and being there, especially in the hill towns is why we stayed in it for so long. And our parents definitely like my mom was my sister's troop leader and my troop leader. And then my dad was not my brother's Boy Scout leaders, but he helped out with the Boy Scout stuff. And both my parents were always by our sides through everything that we did in the Scouts. So they were very, very supportive and helped us. Were they Scouts themselves growing up? Was that something that was part of their... I was a Boy Scout. I don't think my mom was a Girl Scout because I don't, I'm not positive though, but I don't think in there they had Girl Scouts like where, um, like a, because especially up here right now, the Girl Scouts is becoming a lot less common. Like our troops, we have me, I think we only have one troop left up here and we used to have several troops. Is that, Scouts, is that very, because girls are now joining Boy Scouts or is it just less time? No. Just, there's not many people that want to be troop leaders because it's usually one of the girl's moms that volunteers to be a leader and Girl Scouts does take a lot of time and but it's so worth it like if you are ever thinking about joining Girl Scouts I highly recommend you get so much out of it you get to, uh, so many amazing opportunities like I went to a Girl Scout camp and I had the opportunity to go whitewater river rafting and stuff like that like it's just a really amazing opportunity and experience but I don't know I don't know why people aren't joining, but I really think that they should. I think there's just a lot less joining of organizations in general. I mean, we used to get all kinds of releases from the Girl Scouts, from the Kiwanis, from all these different organizations where I don't know if people are just into their screens or what. But you mentioned whitewater rafting. Where was that? Um, I don't know. I was like 10 at the time. It was a while ago, but it was at Girl Scout camp. Camp, I showed up. And I got to go, we went to camp, it was a day camp for a week, there was one overnight, and we got to go on a trip one day, and our trip was whitewater river rafting, and it was so much fun. Yeah, and I bet you, have you made really close friends from the Scouts, people that you... Yeah, my best friend, me and my best friend met in our Girl Scout troop, and she's still my best friend. At the end of our troop, it was me, her, and then one other girl. We were all very, we're all friends, but Yeah. So she's my best friend. I think Girl Scouts definitely aided in that. We've been best friends since first grade. And did she, too, do one of these Gold Award projects? She did not, but she had her own baking business, so she was a little preoccupied. Oh, wow. (laughs) For her. (laughs) Well, our time has just gone so fast. Do you have any closing thoughts for people, either about scouting or about your book or just anything you want to leave our listeners with? I... The only thing I would say is to reach out, like if there's members of your community that you know are older and don't have a lot, like, and just, just give them the opportunity and have a conversation with them, learn a bit, a little, learn a little bit about them. You'll never know what you'll learn, like Sandy putting food in her table. (laughs) It's like, I know a lot of them are grateful to even have the conversation that we had just to like have a conversation with someone, you know? I, so I definitely want to talk. I do know because there's so few conversations these days. <laughs> I mean, people are all in their little silos. So good for you. And thank you so much. And I hope your book is well read. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>